Welcome to Momentum Church. You know what's so neat about today? To me, this is an expression of our service last Sunday. Last Sunday, we were teaching the four compass, the four guidelines, that if we'll get a hold of these guidelines, that literally your life will never be the same. And the first we said of our compass culture, this culture that we want to have, um, was nothing is impossible with God. That in nothing is impossible with God. And I told you that was an adventure of faith. And so this week, God invited us on an adventure of faith. And then because God was worried that I wouldn't listen, he told Corey. And that's awesome. And we stepped out into an adventure of faith today. Okay, God, what are you going to do? In the first service, there was somebody that we prayed for, and I believed with everything in my heart before he left the building, that pain in his foot would be gone. And we declared it. I was nervous to declare it. What if it doesn't happen? Okay, what if it does? And we declared it. I haven't chased it down yet. Somewhere in the building. Got to find out where he's at. But it's an adventure of faith. And so last week we said that. We said that, that we need to be people that believe nothing is impossible with God. Because out of that expectation, we can see God do amazing things. This week, we're going to be moving into standing firm in faith, which or standing firm in the truth, which is basically obedience to his word. And so for me, this experience right now has been a culmination of both of those. We have had faith to move, and we were obedient to his word. Amen? And then it's in God's hands. Amen. 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 Why don't you greet some of your, your people around you before you take your seat, and we're going to get right into the word this morning. Oh, Jesus. Can you hand me that? Behind you. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to continue to unpack our compass culture over the next few weeks as we look at our lives never being the same as we embrace these principles. And they're important principles because we live in a disorienting world. We live in a world that's easy to get off track. And I believe as a church, God's mandate on Momentum Church is this, that we are to guide people to more in life through Jesus Christ. That's a good mandate. Amen. And that's not the mandate on your pastors. Our job is to equip saints for the work of ministry. That's your mandate. So guess what? Look at me. Everybody's eyes. Look, look, look. Your job is to guide people to more in life through Jesus. Every one of us. And we, all of us can do that. You know, you don't have to be a great teacher to guide people to more. All it has to be is just a little bit more than you already have. That's it. Being faithful with that, and then God will give you more to lead people into more. Amen? And so as a church, we've been looking at the idea of orienting ourselves, north, south, east, west, being able to guard ourselves from getting lost on the path that God has to us, to the things that God wants for us. Because often God has a path, he's leading us to something to do in us and through us, but we get off track, and so we need a compass. As I said last week, we begin to look at the compass 
setting of north, as we looked at nothing is impossible with God, that adventure in faith. And, and the crux of that, if you missed last week, is this. If God said it in his word, he can do it in your house. Now that's preaching. That's, you should have been shouting up in here. I told you all before, I'm an audience participation preacher. If you don't let me know you're getting it, I got to keep saying it over and over and over, and then I'll preach an hour. And y'all, y'all want biscuits and gravy. You guys want to go to lunch. So, so, so are you getting it? Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to do it. Like, yes, we got it. We got it. Keep preaching, Ross. Keep going. <laughs> but yeah, God can do it in your house. And we want that for the house collectively. We want that in 2023 to, to literally, as I said last week, to be 2023. <laughs> Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I want that kind of freedom in this house. Amen. Amen. I, who said that? That was beautiful. I love that. Come on. I like it. Bring her back down every week. So, <laughs> so what this week we're going to look at is this. Standing firm in truth. And that's an adventure in God's word. Standing firm in truth. An adventure in the word of the Lord. And I can remember at 19 years old being asked to go work at a church in Pennsylvania. I was the worship leader and, um, and also kind of the general assistant. You know, basically church slave is basically what I was, you know. <laughs> like Pastor Tyler. <laughs> uh, that was funny, and if I hope Tyler did that on purpose. Tyler's over the building. If anybody could do that, Tyler, you're fired. No, but I was young and, and knew that I didn't have experience, knew that I knew the word as far as the things I'd read, but I mean, I wasn't like, I hadn't been to seminary yet and all that kind of stuff, and I was feeling undone all the time, and I have a disposition that feels undone anyhow. I never feel like I'm enough. You know, I always feel less. Anybody like that? You know, yeah, yeah. Like, and I think that's real common, right? And so even if you accomplish things, you still kind of just feel like, I don't know. I'm just, going, I'm just trying to get lucky here. And, um, and so I am in this prayer meeting feeling completely undone, and I'm praying. And I can remember I was on the left side of the sanctuary, and I was up underneath the pew almost, you know, just, just laying there praying, hardwood floor, old church. And the Lord laid on my heart for the first time this ever happened, a, a reference. Like, I, I'm like praying, and I, I, in my heart I hear 1 Timothy 4.12. And, and, you know, at some point that got in my heart, and so God could pull on that, right? And so I go and I look at it, and here's what it says. It says, let no one despise your youth. Don't you know Pastor Ross had a little cry fit right then? Oh, yeah. I did. I was like, Jesus knows me. <laughs> I was just like, oh, he's speaking to me. And even more so, I'm actually hearing him, you know. Oh, my gosh. But don't let anybody despise your youth. I read that. And then I'm like, okay, but I don't know a whole lot. Okay, well, but he be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Be an example. In other words, with the stuff God's given you, be an example. Watch it. Till I come, give attention to reading. And this is what the Lord really just hit me with. Like, that's your job, Ross. Read. Get in the word. Study the word. Know the word. That's, your, that's what you need to give attention to. Give attention to reading, to exhortation. Guess what that is? Speak the word. Man, when I first started preaching, I had no stories that were my own. Because I was 19. All you 19-year-olds think you know life. You haven't even had life yet. You're just a little baby almost out the womb. Okay? 
It's coming though. Life's coming. Life's going to hit you right in the, t- in the eyes, all right? I'm being honest. But at 19, I didn't have no stories. But guess what? I could read and I could exhort. I could read the word and I spoke the word. And guess what? It was profitable. I could speak the word and God would do great things. So I read, I exhorted, and then it says that we give attention to doctrine. I was sure I'm trying to study to know the word, what it, to believe is correct, etc. Verse 14, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with a laying on of hands of the eldership. They did that to me. They prayed for me and installed me in that role. And I could have looked at that and said, that's enough. Just like you do at salvation. I could have looked at that and said, I got hands laid on me. And now I can preach. And, I, and I, I'm, 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 I'm Pastor Ross. Amen. Whatever that means. I was going to say, Pastor freaking Ross. But that's not nice. So... But guess what? Hands were laid on you, but then he says, yeah, yeah, that happened to you, but read so that you can exhort and stay true to doctrine. And I would say the same way with you. The Holy Spirit touched you, came to fill you. You, you, The blood of Jesus cleansed you and you became a believer, okay? Every one of us are believers, I mean, that are believers. That happened, but he would look to you and say, read, exhort, doctrine. Read, exhort, know the word, right? Same thing, but I got saved. I get that. But God wants more. He wants us to grow. Amen? He wants us to stand firm in that truth. Goes on verse 15. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. That your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them for in doing this you will save. I love this part. Continue because you're going to save both yourself and those who hear you. You're going to save yourself and those who hear you. You're going to guide people to more in life through Jesus. Not your preacher. You are going to guide people to more in life through Jesus. Amen? Why? Because you know his word. You're standing firm in his truth. You're holding on to that. And that progress of growth in your life is evident to all. Isn't there people in your life that are spiritual that you're like, I wish I could be like that? You know? Or if I was like that, I could do this. If I was like that, I could pray. If I was like that, I could speak to my friend. If I was like that, and so on. Yeah, no, continue in those things, in that growing process. And so what we need to do, if we're going to stand firm in the word and truth, we have to have one thing starting out, and that is we have to desire to know the word of God. Now, this teaching today is going to feel a little like Sunday school, and that's all right, all right? But we need to sometimes go back to go forwards, amen? And so we need to stand firm in truth, and that begins by having a desire to know the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. I can stop right there, and that should be enough to say, give me my Bible, I want to get in that thing. Because all that scripture was given by the breath of God. Inspiration, I'm going to give you a Greek word, theonoustos. You want to say it? Uh, you did really good. I'm proud of you. Theonoustos, yeah. So that Greek word, theonoustos, it literally means theo God. Noustos is like air. It's kind of like pneuma or uh, pneumatic. How many have some pneumatic tools? All right. So it's God breathed. Isn't that awesome? That he, he breathed into that scripture. He breathed that scripture, I should say. And, and, and this is the same God that when he breathed, man became a living being. This is the same God that, that within that breath of God, there was no sickness, no disease. Within that breath, sin entered, but before that, man, within that breath of God, pure. And now with that breath, if you will, he inspires the living word of God. That should be enough to want to just jump on into that. 
And you know what's neat about that is that breath of God is life. Scripture is life. That breath of God literally is the word. In the, in the Bible, in John 1, 1, it talks about in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Goes on down and says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's speaking of Jesus. And so, in a sense, you can't separate Jesus from his word. So when we partake of his word, we're receiving life. Not just life from paper, life from Jesus. It's not just logos. Logos is the Greek word that means like writing, okay? It's not just written, it's rhema. Rhema is living, spoken word. And so we read the Logos, but it becomes rhema to our life. It becomes like a breath to us. When it comes to the Hebrew saying of the name God, they have four letters, and they don't even say the name of God. They just use the four letters to symbolize it. And normally what they'll say is Adonai, Adonai, instead of saying the four, the word, or trying to pronounce the, the unpronounceable, because it's so holy, they don't want to pronounce it. But the four letters are ud he vav he ud he vav he and the ancients would say that they're letters that symbolize the breathing of man. ud he vav he ud he vav he I can't help but think that Jesus is the word. And when I study his word, and I, inspiration of God, the breath of God, I'm experiencing the, ooh, hey, Father, I'm breathing what the people of old breathed all this long, the pure presence of God through his word. Let me go there. Is that okay? I'm getting a little mystical. But ooh, the breath of God, that's life. Why would we not want to walk in the breath of God, the inspiration of God? And the other thing about that is that word they use for, for God, they use, I said, Adonai. You know what Adonai means? Lord. Why wouldn't we want him to be the Lord over our lives? We only know what he wants from us, from his word, that's it. So we've got to be able to stand firm in his truth. It goes on. Why do we want to stand firm in his truth? Because it's good. Here's why. It's profitable. There's some benefits that come. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and for instruction in righteousness. Doctrine is going to show you what you should believe according to God's truths. Reproof, this is where you missed it. He doesn't leave you there, though. He brings correction. Here's how you fix it. And here's how you go on. I'm going to bring some instruction until you walk up into the image of Christ. I'm going to give you some instruction as you go on so that you can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What I love in, in um, a man by the name of Warren Wearsby, the way he summed this up, this is so good. He said, the word is profitable for doctrine. That's what's right. For reproof, that's what's not right. For correction, that's how to get right. And for instruction in righteousness, that's how to stay right. Isn't that good? The word will do that. So as you read the word of God, next thing you know, you within yourself will look at things, it just happens, and you'll start to talk yourself out of what it says sometimes. Well, that's not for me. Maybe it's the promises and that's not for me. Maybe it's the commands. I don't want to embrace that, you know. My pastor always said that, that, that mind is never more creative than when it's trying to justify sin. That was good. You said that. Come on now. It's like, I was good. That was awesome. <laughs> no. no, it's true, though. It's true, though. <laughs> and so righteousness, though, when you read Scripture, righteousness is not subjective. Righteousness, you, you get what I'm saying? It's not subjective. 
I'm going to preach two, three more minutes on this if you don't. Do you get what I'm saying? Righteousness is not subjective. You're like, no, I don't. I, I get it. I'm going to explain it. I'm just playing with you guys. Our world treats truth as subjective. Our world is changing, and it treats truth as relative. We've got to be people that stand firm in truth. The, the pragmatization of truth abounds. What, what pragmatization means is this. If it works for you, it must be truth. And who is anyone to tell you anything different? You know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I like it, if it works for me, if I think it's right in my own eyes. The scripture is what we hold fast to. That's the truth, right? And so with that, righteousness is not subjective. Righteousness flows out of this inspired word of God telling us how to live, telling us how to walk, telling us how to talk, telling us how to order our lives. The problem with that is it'll set you at odds with the standards of the world. Yes, it will. Watch what Jesus said to his disciples in John 17. But now I'm coming to you in these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So it's not that He's a cosmic killjoy. He wants you to have joy. I'm speaking these things so you can have joy, right? I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, since we're not of the world, God is calling us to himself, and he's calling us to be equipped. Remember, we already learned that, into the righteousness of God. And so here's how he does it. Verse 17, sanctify them in truth. Well, truth is relative. No, your word is truth. Is that, you see that? I love it. Sanctify them in the truth. Whose truth? Your word. God's word is truth. It's not subjective. It says it right there. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. In other words, everything I have done to set myself apart, to be the atonement of your sins, to anoint you, everything I've set myself apart with, now I've given you an opportunity to be sanctified. Like, like don't, don't look at what I've done to be consecrated, to set apart you, and then you not set apart yourself. Like, he's challenging us to be sanctified by the truth. So they might also be sanctified in truth. Ellen White said this, those who claim to be sanctified while they have no desire to search the scriptures or to wrestle with God in prayer for a clear understanding of Bible truth know not what true sanctification is. Sanctification is being set apart as holy unto God for his purpose, not just to be holy. You see all these scriptures talking about being set apart, but you can always pick up that others might hear, that others might be saved, that others might know, that others might see. It's always a part of the sanctification process that your life change makes a difference in other people's lives. Now, here's the thing about standing firm in truth. As I said, it'll put you at odds with the world, but you know what? That's not the, thing. That's the fight I'm not worrying about. You know? The, the horrible world. Let's go pick at them, Brandon. You know, get right or get left. <laughs> you know, God hates you fill in the blank. Let's just, we got to go out and just be a witness. Tell them how evil they are. No, no. I mean, I'm not saying that's, that's just not my ministry for sure. Okay. <sighs> Standing firm in truth, it's not about the odds that it puts us with the world. Standing firm in truth, it puts us at odds with the demands of our own flesh. That's a battle. That's the fight. That's what's hard, right? How many got some flesh stuff they're dealing with? Yeah. Hey, man. Wives are pointing at their husbands. 
<laughs> yeah, 220 pounds of them. <laughs> no. no. But that's the fight. I'm not saying that we, we don't want to live righteously out in the world. I'm saying the world's not bound to be sanctified. We're bound as believers to let his work have its efficacy upon us, to have its work upon us. Amen? So seeing that God uses his word of truth as a key means to bring sanctification, it makes sense that the enemy would love for you to not know God's word, and if you do know, to doubt God's word. It just makes total sense. Here's the reason why when it comes to doubting, when we begin to doubt scripture as being the word of God, a very curious, even dangerous inversion takes place. Don't miss this. We begin to judge the word instead of letting the word judge us. Do you see how that, that inversion takes place? We determine what the, world, what the word is teaching instead of permitting it to determine what we should believe or how we should live. The person that stops standing firm in truth begins to edit, begins to amend, begins to strike out, begins to add at their pleasure what best fits their desired interpretation of God's word. Can I tell you right now, there are things in scripture that are very black and white. Now, I'm going to be honest, there are some gray things. There are. But in our world today, so many, and I'm not saying outside the four walls of this church, I'm saying us inside the four walls of the church, a lot of us see gray in areas that are black and white. But it's easier to see this gray. There's things I wish were gray. I just do. I'm serious. Man, I'm telling you, there's some sin I'd like to get into. I'm serious. Is that wrong to say? but it's black and white, you know? Can't do it. And you can try to justify and work through it, but that's where it's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm being sanctified. I've got to be able to know his word. I've got to be able to, to set myself apart, just like, like you have to set yourself apart. When we do this, we set ourselves, when we do this, when we're, when we're trying to create gray areas and say that are black and white, when we do this, we take the posture of sitting above the word instead of kneeling before God and becoming submitted to the word. That's the idea of instead of saying he's Lord and I'm submitting to him, I'm Lord and I'm doing what I desire. And I wrote in my notes, examples, dot, dot, which meant on the fly, I was going to give you a laundry list. In the first service, I felt like, no, I'm not. You know the things you justify that are said. So do I. And it's not an evil hardship that God's coming against us saying, no, it's it's the inspiration of God saying, I got more for you. I want to guide you to more in life through Christ, through me. And I'm going to do it through the word because I sanctify your life through the word. If you live it, if you allow that word to breathe in and out of you, it's in him we move and live and have our being. Big part of that is being in the word. Amen? The Christian who fails to allow God's word to be the truth he submits his life to is like a man who chops down a tree but still lingers in the orchard hoping for fruit that will never come. Watch what Psalms 1 says about the opposite of that. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. I love that. And its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. 
But then it says the wicked are not so. They're like chaff that the wind blows away, drives away. Can you see how important it is to stand firm in the truth? And so I want to give you a couple practical ways as we end here today to stand firm. We stand firm, as I said, in the truth by knowing, by having a desire to know the word of God. But second, we stand firm in truth when we line our speech up with the word of God. Ooh, that's the next step. Romans 10, 8, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. We've got to be a people that know the word, but now we begin to speak. That's exhortation. That's speaking the word. We've got to be a people that speak the word. And so that can be the idea of speaking faith and faith-filled words. That can be that. All right? That can be that you're speaking life, not death. Hope, not despair. That you're a person that builds up, not tears down. Amen? But it also can be pureness, right? Like, like you have holy hips, li- holy. That was fun. Holy hips. You have holy lips, not hellish lips. You know, you have, <laughs> you have speech that is, I'm telling you guys, if I can do this, anybody can. You have speech that is pure, not putrid. And, and this is hard. I'm going to be honest. This, I'm a funny guy. I like humor. You know, because I like humor, man, I got to be careful. Like, off-color stuff is funny as heck to me. And it shouldn't be. Everybody's looking at me like, my pastor wants to sin, and he loves dirty jokes. I'm not, I am not saying that, okay? I like moderately soiled jokes, okay? And all, all my life, I've had to fight that. You know, it's like, and I'll say to myself, why did I find that funny? Like, like, stop watching that. That, that guy's gone over the line, you know? But maybe just one more pair, like one more, two more minutes, maybe, you know? And so I'm, I'm with you on this, this idea of my speech, having to guard my speech, right? And, but the thing about this, guarding ourselves, it, it's not, not it, this isn't willing your lips to speak right. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. No, this is all about lining your heart up to live right. And you can't do that if you don't have a desire to begin to know the word of God and put the word of God in you. When we hold God's word in our heart, our speech just begins to line up with God's word. I was listening to a podcast uh, about a year ago and the guy has some crass language. And man, I started realizing, like I got into a situation and my brain went, and, and I didn't say it out loud, but I said that word in my head. And I was like, ooh, I'm getting too comfortable with speech that's beneath my standard. And so I had to stop listening to it because it was just, you know, I was listening to a podcast or two a week from this guy. And it was just like, oh, man, it's in my head now. And if it's in my head, it's going to be out my mouth at some point. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know? And if I said something like that to Amy, wouldn't been good. (laughs) She's Italian. She'll have you cut. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm serious. <laughs> Let's go on. So we stand firm in truth by lining our speech up, but we also stand firm in truth by lining our lives up with the word of God. Before the word of God can mean anything inside of me, this is A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite writers. Before the word of God can mean anything inside of me, there must be obedience to the word. Truth will not give itself to a rebel. Truth will not impart life to a man who will not obey the light. Man, that's heavy. And so John 14, 22 says, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, he's speaking to Jesus, and I love this. If you are Judas, you want to be Judas, not Iscariot. <laughs> I saw that this week. I, was, I laughed. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> 
Um, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So the question is, how are you going to show yourself forth? How are you going to show up? How are you going to manifest? When he manifests, his power comes, his presence comes. Signs, wonders, miracles. Amen? How are you going to manifest yourself? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. And my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home. I want momentum to be a place where God is welcome to make his home here. He will come to us and make his home. Amen? But collectively as a people, we need to rise up standing firm in truth. And that is going to be challenged more and more as society goes crazy. But it's not about the four walls. It's about inside this place that we're choosing to stand firm in truth. And out of that, I believe a manifest presence of God comes upon us. And those outside the four walls, they see it. And they don't see it for our angry speech. They see it because signs, wonders, miracles, things like that start to happen in our lives and through our lives. And they see that, and Jesus must be real because they're seeing the the word of God put flesh on it. It's your flesh this time. Don't tell me. (laughs) This is heavy. I'm going to read, I think I'm, I, I didn't read this yet. Verse 23, and then I'm going to say something real heavy. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and I'll love him, and I'll make my home. I stopped there. Verse 24, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. That's heavy. That's heavy to me. Now, here's the thing. This isn't a question about God's love for us. Do you, do you get that, right? There's nothing you can do to prove God's love for you. God loves you unconditionally. He shows you mercy and grace. Mercy basically giving you a buy for what you deserve. Grace giving you more than you deserve, right? Because of the blood of Jesus. So you, you can't get more of his love. He's not challenging that. But that doesn't work in reverse, and we act like it does. We act like because there's not one thing I can do to receive the love of God. Guess what? That's true. But for him to know you love him, he puts qualification to it. don't, Don't get mad at pastor. I'm just reading what it says. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself into the world? If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So don't use that grace argument in reverse. Does that make sense? Guard your heart from that. No, no. There's not one thing you're going to do that's going to make them love you more. There's a whole lot of stuff that we do that doesn't prove that we love him anymore. That's heavy. And I can give you an example of that, all right? Like, like I'll say this. Don't tell me you love Jesus, but you don't love his word, right? And here's my example, all right? I love my wife. I think she's amazing. I love Amy, but I just can't stand half the things that she says to me. That's how scripture is. I love God, but I don't care about that. I don't care about that. I'm not going to do that. Oh, no, I'm uncomfortable with that. No, I like doing that too much, so I ain't going to change that. You see what I'm saying? This is all about relationship. Knowing and desiring God through his word is about relationship. We have a relationship, and I love her, but I don't care about half the things she wants to tell me. Think about how good that relationship would be. She begins to speak to me, and I'm just like, oh, I'll walk away. That's heavy, huh? Let me take it one more step further. I love Amy. I just won't do half the things she asks of me. I love you, baby. Hey, honey, can you take the trash out and do this, this, and this? Nope. I'll take the trash out, but girl, you're going you're gonna to wash Molly. That's our dog. I'll take the trash out, but you're going to wash my truck. No. No. 
That's heavy, guys. And again, this isn't on him toward us. This is on us toward him. It's just, this is a, a challenging my heart, my love, not the other way around. A relationship marked by a love that is partially withheld will never create the fullness and fruitfulness that we saw in Psalms 1 with that blessed man who was planted by a, a stream of water. It'll never create that. The tree of that relationship that is uh, marked by, by partial withheld love, it will not grow. That tree, its leaves will wither, its fruit will not manifest. And so I want to challenge us, if it's God's people in this house, will we stand firm in truth? Will we? The deepest question any of us face is whether we do or do not love the Lord with all our spirit, our mind, and our body. And we have to ask ourselves in light of his word and desiring to know and live out his word, we have to ask ourselves, do I love the Lord or not? Rest on that this week. God bless you. Have a great week. My job's not just to always make you laugh, right? I need this sermon bad too. See, Jesus told his disciples that love and obedience were organically united and that the keeping of his sayings would prove that we love him. That's that true test of love. And our Lord, he invites us to stand firm in the truth as well. Last verse, Colossians 1.10, he invites us so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. That doesn't happen apart from the word of God, amen? And the problem with that is modern Christianity is satisfied. Modern Christianity is satisfied like living tragically below the standard of obedience to the word of God. Modern Christianity is satisfied with worldliness and worldliness is an accepted part of our way of life. It's just how it is. God doesn't expect me to be perfect. No, I agree. I, I agree. We're not a, a bondage-type church, you know, like getting people all bound up and, and legalistic. No, no, I, I agree. But the problem with that is the religious mood of the church is this. It's social instead of spiritual. It's casual instead of committed. The religious mood of the church is all about preference and personality right? Instead of being presence-driven. Without obedience to his word, we can't expect a manifestation of the power and presence of God. We can't. But here's the thing. We can remedy that. And the way we remedy that is by standing firm in truth, by having a desire to know his word, by lining our speech up with his word. And third, by beginning to line our lives up to the obedience of his word. And you will fail at it miserably. And that's okay. Because in the midst of that, he'll step in. And his word will become life to you. And will strengthen you to get your victory. I can't do this. Well, it's not by power nor by my, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Oh, wait a second. I didn't know that. All right, because you didn't read it. The word says it. Get that word in you. Amen? And it's, it's not on you to create this. It's on you to know and allow him to have his work in you. And then begin to speak it and begin to live it and be empowered by his spirit that will come because he promises his spirit will come when we do this. If we do this, we can expect to see the fruit of true love that, bring, that, 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 that brings forth the manifestations of Jesus and all his desires for our lives and through our lives. I want you to bow your heads just for a moment. <clears throat> Maybe someone here this morning 
you want to have a desire for his word more. And you're just going to raise your hand as a commitment to say, I'm going to begin to study his word more. If that's you, raise your hand. Amen. Amen. That's mostly, almost the whole room. Maybe others in the room, there's an area, I'm not going to have you raise your hand on this, but there's an area of your life that you call gray, and the Lord this morning, the Holy Spirit has said, no, 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 that's black and white. And you're ready today to stop justifying, stop being creative with your sin, and you're just willing to submit it as you repent of that. If that's you, you don't have to raise your hand, but I would say this, when service is over, or this week, reach out to one of us staffers, so that we can help you take steps towards your victory with whatever area it may be. Amen? Look up here just for a second. And I'm going to challenge many of you. I've heard this over and over through the years. Well, I wasn't raised in the church. They'll excuse their understanding of the Word of God or their knowledge of the Word. I wasn't raised in the church. This is an adult. This is a teenager. I'm talking about persons 30, 35 years old. Well, I wasn't raised in the church. Okay. Five years later. Well, you know, I just wasn't brought up around the church and the things of God. I don't really know about that stuff because I wasn't. Okay. Ten years later. Well, you know what? I just don't. It wasn't. My, my mom and dad, they really weren't churchgoers. They didn't take me to church. Okay. Fifteen years later, and they're still saying, well, I just don't know because I wasn't raised. In 15 years, you could get a doctorate in Jesus? You know what I mean? Like, I'm serious. Good night, the word of God. So there's no excuse. You don't have to know as much as somebody else on the pew. No, you don't. But you got to know more this week than you did last week. That's it. You know? Amen? And it's not just knowledge, it's relationship. Father, I thank you for my friends, God. Those that made commitments today to you, to your word, empower and strengthen those commitments this week. Father, there's those here today that they don't have that standard in their heart because they don't have you in their lives, Jesus. And today, if they begin to say, I want you to be Lord of my life, Lord God, just stir their hearts as you receive them unto yourself, as they repent of their sins and come to salvation, knowing that you are their Lord and their Savior. We thank you for that, Jesus. We praise you in your precious name. Everybody give God a big praise. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.